FBI Radio and Fire Up are proud to present a glittering new season celebrating the barbaric ballet that we call Rugby League. You must feel pretty confident with that uh, additional bulk he's put on. Now watch the defence, it'll be fairly uh, violent I would imagine. And now the gladiators hopple Wadi with the left forearm. It was as nasty as we've seen for a long time. A little bit out of character, he's a very clean player. Manly slumped to eighth on the ladder. It's just rubbing salt into the worm. You can see the head crash there. Oh, very nasty. And the crowd love it. They've all taken their angry pills. That smashes him to ground. The one-handed pass back inside. With a delicate kick. They smacked their bottoms with a beautiful bit of football early. Thank you, Mrs. Robinson. Another little slanging match. He's only five metres from the line. And he's hurt on the burst. He runs into a wall. Certainly got some forearm in it for some damage done to him with a boot or a knee. But my heavens, he's really bleeding. He's come out of it very much the worse for wear. Bleeding like a stuck pig out there. And the crowd's starting to go wild. Intercepted. Shows it. Goes outside. Steps. Steps again. Steps again. He gets it down. He does a try. Yes, it's a try. It's a sad, sad commentary on the mentality of some of the idiots that follow Australian sport. Now, please welcome your muscle-bound maestro, Stephen Ferris and... Chris Gale. As they fire up. Oh, Chris Gale, what a doozy the last week for Rugby League. Now, look, I know that people out there in FBI don't care about Rugby League. I believe that's very much the case, Stephen. We've been told that anyway, in no yep. uncertain terms. Nobody gives a damn about Rugby League in this station. Uh, we're at the wrong end of the swamp when it comes to <laughs> the antics that goes on. But last night's game, your beloved Tigers put on quite a show. I mean, it was cabaret, it was burlesque, it was, it was circus, it was Cirque du Soleil, it was colour and movement, it was light and shade, it was sound and vision, it was everything, plus Benji Marshall could pull out of his back pocket. Incredible stuff. I was there, Stephen. I, I know you were. I took along our show producer, Redfern Pat. He's not here. What happened? What did you do to him? Well, he's a car-carrying South Sydney supporter, and when they won, he just gave it to me. I fired him on the spot. Did you? So that's it for Redfern Last Pat. Last seen wandering down Parramatta Road, was he? <laughs> like, remember that streaker that got lost on Parramatta Road after the State of Origin? That's the right. big fat tubby guy? Woody Holmwood. Yeah. <laughs> no. Is that Pat now? Yeah. Naked? <laughs> just getting to Strathfield? I, I tell you what, I, I hope he's not on the drink, because if you get on the drink, you can get in some trouble. But, um... Uh, let me tell you, it was it was a great occasion out yeah. there for the some three thousand eight hundred uh, patrons. Yeah. Did they make a noise on telly? And, and and didn't all of Australia cheer when Luke Brooks put one on Dane Gagai? I well, hate a guy who throws a ball at your head. You know, we do talk about this sort of the you know the faux fight these days. There's no there's no real carnage anymore. Nobody really hurts each other. I mean, obviously, footy players get really hurt in rugby league, but uh, yes, the ball gets thrown to the head. It's an insult, Chris. It's an insult. It's insulting to the it's, team, the club, his family. It's yeah. with intent. It led to a period of time whether it's 12 on 11 and an attractive brand of football it was. Attractive brand of footy. <laughs> yes, and Luke, he, he's not a big bloke. He's no, got a big head. Good, good, decent melon on him. I mean, good it, melon. in fairness to Gagai, yeah. it's no skill hitting Luke Brooks in the head with a ball because <laughs> it's such a big target. It's like hitting eight miles in the head. It is. Can't shoot, miss. Exactly. Shooting yeah. fish in a barrel, one might say. <laughs> one might say. And uh, Luke got one in and then he got one back and then they were off and, you know, the game kept going. And not one, but two flick passes from Benji Marshall. Yes. And two attempted cutout passes, three attempted cutout passes, one successful. One, yeah, one out of three. And yeah. look, you know, there is a lot of consternation about the departure of Benzie and the sad news coming through 
that it will be a Bank Westies final game with Chrissy Lawrence Chris, rather than Leichhardt. Yeah, okay. So he's not going to play with your team. He did play with my team. He did. Uh, he will play for another team. You know that, don't you? I know, and it's going to hurt, Stephen. Yeah. And there, you know, people. Benji did so much to get us back into the game, and we we were not entitled to win, having yeah. been down by twenty. But with uh, two minutes to go. Benji saw something on the right-hand side, yes. Stephen, and what he rolled it? the dice on the second tackle. Chrissy Lawrence coming flying through. <laughs> Unfortunately, whatever he saw, we, the rest of us didn't see. Right. But I'm not going to criticise so, him. It goes to the past. It, it, <laughs> yeah, there it was. It was Benji to Chris, to Chris Lawrence 10 years ago. Yes. And I don't blame him for seeing it. Uh, no, no. And uh, it wasn't to be... We just look forward with part of the currency of Rugby League, Stephen, which is hope, which is 2021. Right now, we're probably mired in the other currency of Rugby League, which is hate. Right. Now, they do call it muscle memory, Chris, and I guess you do rely upon your footy players to act on instinct. It's like, don't think, just do. 100%. Anyway, we give it to him. You know, you know what we call that, Stephen? That's eyes up footy. Mm. You play what you see. Yeah. Unfortunately, that has been branded the rooster's way. Look, the news has just come in. Uh, Pat, our producer, was last seen. There's a mural of Benji from Paramount. <laughs> He's urinating on it. Oh, as come we on. Yeah. Come on, Pat. Come on, Pat. Get, get, your, get your pants up and out of it. Okay, now talking of grog. Yes. Never far the, from the stories of rugby league. The demon drink. Yeah, now. Uh, the police are now on trial. I love that. <laughs> Look, an open democracy yep. puts all its institutions under a spotlight, Stephen, and yep. we've seen that in so many aspects of society these yes. days, and I think it's time for the New South Wales Police to have their moment under that harsh spotlight. Can I say that uh, Magistrate Jennifer Giles, big stick, one in the eye for the coppers? Yep. Okay. So we all know Curtis Scott. He played for Canberra. Uh, Australia Day. Let's just picture the story. Let's go through the journey of, of a young man. A young man that's highly paid, uh, is highly skilled. Uh, he goes out, gets on the bus, the bus, the Canberra bus, takes him down George Street. Can you get down George Street? Probably not. <laughs> that was that was probably the first mistake the of the journey. Was yeah, yeah. trying to get the Canberra bus into George <laughs> into Street. George Street. Yeah. Light rail. Sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, they dropped the team off a block away. Uh, the Canberra team went to. Ivy, the nightclub. Yeah. As you do, Australia Day. You know, draped in flags by the pool. Wow. It, oh, don't, don't, Greased up. Are you already getting that, that pang of nostalgia oh, gotcha. about going that? to a nightclub? And bumping. <laughs> bumping bodies. Nice. Breathing. Coughing. Swimming. Wow. Whatever you do in the bathrooms. The whole bit. It's the almost whole, pre, damn it. It's almost prehistory, I think. It is, isn't it? You know, And we can only yearn for what rugby league players used to do. So there he is. Uh, it's a long night. It's a long, a long, long, long day. Long day. It's a day party. It's Australia day, night day. party. It's Australia Day. <laughs> yeah, it's Australia Day. Uh, the bus goes beep, 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 you know, and uh, what's the captain of the Canberra team? Joshy Hodson. Right, he call, calls the team, says, right on, mate, let's go. Bus is, what, bus is leaving. I won't do his accent. Yeah. Hey, old fellas, time to go. I'm sure they had something on the itinerary. It could have been a kebab shop at uh, Surrey Hills, yep. Cleveland Street. And uh, so they're heading east, and uh, they're going, well, you know, where's Curtis? Where's Mr. Scott? So, so Curtis was probably... In again, some sort of ironic twist, a couple of Coronas too far into the uh, celebrations. Right. So as the Canberra guys massed and went down the staircase of the Ivy and uh, round the corner because they couldn't fit into George Street, the bus, yeah. they get on the bus. Curtis is a bit behind. Right. So panicking, Curtis runs down. Yep. And he goes, well, the bus will be out the front, yeah. forgetting about the light rail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so instead of getting on the Canberra bus... Oh, he just stepped onto the light rail. Stepped onto the light rail. Easy mistake to make after a couple of bourbons. Very easy. Okay, and a couple of beers. So he goes, all right, well, where are we going again? Oh, that's right. And look, to be truth be told, he did have in his back pocket an architectural draft. Well, really, it was just a drawing on a napkin of what the new stadium could look like. And he knew that they were actually interviewing the architects on Monday morning. So he thought, I'll bugger it. It's Sunday. I'll get in early. I'll head out to Rugby League Central, the yeah, Moore Park Precincts. Exactly. That's right. I mean, kill two birds with one stone. They won't miss me down in Canberra. No. They'll understand. So, okay. So he gets off. He goes, well, okay. So he lumbers across the road, Anzac Parade. And then he sees 
Oh, wrong direction. I've got to go the other way. Tibby Cotter Bridge. Now, that took up another hour or so, right? I mean, imagine staggering over Tibby Cotter Bridge after a, a day night at the Ivy, dancing your life away. Still, yeah. what I liked is his sense of patriotism. Yes. That he wanted to pay respects to Tibby Cotter on Australia Day. Right, right. And anyone who negotiates that bridge out there Deserve. is deserving of an Order of Australia Absolutely. on Australia Day. Absolutely. Because it is the most senseless piece of architecture I've ever encountered, Stephen. Well, as a, as a student of architecture, I think he wanted to have a good look at it <laughs> and see if it really did rate or not. Because... Curtis, and this is an expression that um, uh, I coined myself, Stephen. What good is history unless we learn from our mistakes? <laughs> so, so Curtis wanted to traverse the Tribby Cotter Bridge because yeah. he says, in my vision yeah, yeah. for the new Allianz, whatever it's called, Sydney Football Stadium, yeah. hello, Dennis Carnahan. I think it's the John Barillaro Centre, isn't it? The, correct. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the John Barillaro well, Towers. <laughs> we won't know until 9am. Well, well, okay. Right now they're yeah. meeting. Oh, they're right now. Yeah, yeah. We will come to that. <laughs> but uh, he didn't want to see something like the Tibby Cotter promenade incorporated in his vision. No. for what the new Allianz slash Sydney football stadium should look like. Right, okay. So uh, what does he do? Uh, he's wandering up Moore Park Road, and once again, he's looking for the right direction. It was a little sort of... Um, the compass was spinning in all sorts of directions at this point in time. And then he noticed the headquarters for Rugby Union Australia. That's a trigger. Now, that triggered him. You're right. Yep. He had his phone in his hand, trying to figure out where to go. Yep. Bugger out, and he threw the phone, hit a car. Right, so look, first of all... Curtis Scott's a hero in my eyes for no other, no other reason for when he was playing for the Melbourne Storms. And that's so unusual that someone who plays for the Storms is a hero. Yeah. But he put one on Dylan Walker, Luke Brooks style on Gagai. And I, we all enjoy that. We do. And it, it's un-Australian not to be paralytic on Australia Day in my view. Totally, Stephen, right? totally. So he's just buying in. Yeah. And yet, given his vision and his belief in rugby league as the, the light that will eventually lead us out of whatever darkness we encounter. And we are encountering it. Yeah. We, if you are a little bit disoriented after a big night or and day in Australia Day and you see the headquarters of rugby, no wonder you react. So yeah. he kicked a bike. Yeah. He owns that. He so absolutely He put owns his that. hand up, did he? Put his hand up. Right, okay. He then threw his mobile phone yeah. at a Suzuki Swift. Ah, oh, well, come on now. Now, now, whether that was if it a... it was a Maserati, you wouldn't have done it right. Whether that was an oblique, oblique um, uh, go at the Australian policies that have led to the decline of car manufacture in yeah, Australia, yeah. I don't know. And muscle cars are there. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, and he's owned that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said... But he said, look, Russell Crowe, he done it. He copped it. It's put rugby his league. hand up. It's yeah. rugby league. It's a form of protest. Why can't I do it? Kick a bike, throw a phone... Done. I'll own that. Yeah, yeah. It's a fair cop. Now you've got to remember that his own battery's running out. He's he's getting tired. He's done the he's done the light rail. He's done the wall across Tibby Cotter. He's gone up Moor Park Road. He's seen the headquarters. He's thrown the thrown the what's he kicked the bike. And, and by the way, he'd be pretty frustrated because you know how long it takes that light rail to get from the city out to it's Moor Park. It's pretty slow. It's very and slow. And it was very slow then. This, right. is, this was months ago, <laughs> That's right? right? So anyway, what what does a good Australian do on Australia Day? Takes a little nap under a Morton Bay fig. Beautiful. He looks for the little cosy nook, lies yep. down, perfect positioning. I mean, if that's not a tradition that even our Indigenous forefathers have done for centuries, I don't know what is it. So he lies down, has a little rest, and then apparently there's a new division in the police force called Punked or Gotcha, <laughs> right? So here we go, here we go. The Punked Footy Star Wake Up Service, that's what they're calling it now, <laughs> I just read. Uh, they come up, not one, not two, but three. Three paddy wagons, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, gender, gender equal, men and women, right? They come up, they put a light, a blazing light, one of those torch lights in your face. So, you, first of all, whoo, where am I? Well, you didn't even say that. Mm-hmm. Like that, right? Mm. Then they pinch your, your eardrum and your nipple, I think. A nipple cripple. I, like, what's wrong with a good old-fashioned mate? Are you all right? Would be the first thing I'd be asking. Right. And uh, are you okay? Can you wake up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's 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 sort of kind of like um, frat party so stuff, pinched, isn't it? Pinched and twit. Yeah. Handcuffed? Well, cuffed him first. 
cuffed him first, pinched him Because he was clearly a threat. And then he was dreamily waving him away like he thought it was a bandicoot or his girlfriend or something. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Or, Leave my ear alone. Or, or Josh Hodgson saying, get on the bus. Or get on the bus. <laughs> anyway, he was in full dream mode, Chris. He was deep in sleep. He needed to recuperate. He needed to get back on track. Uh, and then what do they do? Pepper spray. <laughs> well... That they regarded his sort of waving like a whatever's oh. a, annoying his sleeve, resisting arrest, as an assault. Oh, assault so on his back. We've got you for assault, mate. He's still in the cozy yeah. nook of the Bourton Bay. And, and then they kept going, "Don't resist, mate. Don't resist. Don't resist, mate." The guy wasn't capable of no. resisting and then Stephen. Taser. <laughs> Out comes the taser gun. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's Australia Day, right? Uh, and we'll go through the footage in a minute. Of course, the police, in their wisdom, thought. Beauty, let's put the camera on him. You know, we'll get this for our own sake, and uh, it'll make television because they they all know they need content. Cops, RBT, yeah, you know, right around the nation. It's interesting because you know one understands the theory behind body cam footage, which is protection of the officials. And let's not for a minute forget, Stephen, there are a number of police officers who do wonderful work in this community. Well, we dips, we dips our hats, do we? Absolutely. And our lids. And, and, our lids. and they should be commended. But one would also remember that body cam footage actually records what happened, yes. not just your version of yeah, what, what happened. happened. <laughs> so, so, like all institutions... Are you saying not the sharpest knives in the drawer? Like, we aren't the sharpest knives in the drawer here, Steve. No, not, we're, not, no. we're, we're not particularly good people no. in this good institution. I'm not even the smartest man in the room. That, well, that's a fact. But... But these particular officials on this particular day yeah. seem to have got the wrong end of it, Steve. Right, right. And then the co- top it all off, one of the female policemen said, "You, you like that? I got more. For, I got more for that. Twist his ankle. What do you think of that, son?" Well, and I almost think that's slightly amusing because she does know that he played for the Storm, and she goes. You know, you've got your crushes, you've got your chicken wings, yeah. <laughs> you've got your wheelhouses, you've got your topsy turvies. Yes. Here's something that uh, Wayne Bell- uh, Craig Bellamy won't, won't put in his kit bag. And she went on to demonstrate on the poor kid who was cuffed, sprayed, yeah, tasered, and, uh, and basically incoherent. And couldn't move. That's a right. little twist to the angle, just to add a little bit of fun to it, a bit of mirth. S- signature flourish. Are you awake yet, sir? <laughs> Are you awake? You know? And that was 17 seconds of footage. <laughs> <laughs> We've still got, I believe, 19 minutes of footage to be shown. Well, now, yeah. in court the other day, of course, uh, Curtis couldn't stand to watch it. It was so humiliating, he couldn't even be there. And as his, uh, his defendant said, or his lawyer, uh, there's 100k of taxpayer, taxpayer money, there's our fee, and then we may even come back yes. and have a crack at the coppers. That's right. And look, uh, yeah, I think the whole thing went on for 19 minutes. And I, I have to say, uh, Magistrate uh, Giles, Jennifer Giles, is the other hero in this yeah. piece, Stephen, because... He copped the plea to the two charges of being a public nuisance. And let's face it, you know, I think any Melbourne Storms player who have ever played for them could be charged as a public nuisance. Just on the get-go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just as part of your orientation program. Uh, but he copped the plea and she said, look, you, the, what you suffered, and let's take it seriously, Stephen, the, the kid did suffer yeah, yeah. A, enormous mistreatment. And the police were only prepared to release 75 seconds of the footage of the of the terrible drama that befell him. She goes, you have suffered enough yeah. and dismissed the charges with no conviction recorded. Yeah. Magistrate Giles, we do salute you. Yeah. And he said, not my go. That, this was the thing, is the police ran this case about assault and et cetera, et cetera, and their flimsy evidence in the body cam footage, and they bring this case to court in front of the magistrate, and Curtis Scott just got up and said, excuse me, Magistrate Giles, can I say a word of my defence? She goes, please, and she go, he simply goes, it's not my go, all charges. She said, it's done Australian. Yeah, go on. Fire it up! Ready to go! Fire it up! Ready to go! Fire it up! Ready to go! Let's go change the world. Thank you, everybody. All right, who who wants ice cream? Come get it. 
once got one behind. I said, hey, Mr. Bartender, come here. I want another drink and I want it now. The girl, she gone, she been gone tonight. I ain't seen the girl, she's not a fool ass. I want to get drunk and get her on my mind. I want to go once got one behind. And I sit there. Drinking, getting stoned, yeah, yeah. After a while, look down the bar, at the bartender. I said, hey, what do you want? One bourbon, one scotch, one beer. And now, it's time for the latest instalment of The Life and Times of Gus Gould. This is Anthony Gat Griffin, is managed by Wayne Beavis. He's been a very dear friend of mine for 40 years. It pains me to say, I don't know if Wayne was a party to this ridiculous and scurrilous campaign to involve my name as a lever to securing Anthony Griffin a job at the Dragons. But by his silence on this issue, I can only assume that he has endorsed this tactic without Wayne stepping in to correct the narrative is extremely disappointing on a personal note. And I find it devastating, in fact, from a personal view. I doubt that I'll ever speak to Wayne Beavis again. And we're talking about a dear and valued friendship. I love him dearly, but I've been deeply hurt by the antics of the past week. And that's all I will say about that. That's sad to hear, Gus. And that was the latest instalment of The Life and Times of Gus Gould. Chris, I'm distraught. I'm absolutely distraught. Is this the love that dare not speak its name? I tell you, well, I don't know, Stephen. Generally, The Life and Times of Gus Gould is an upbeat segment because Gus is... uh, is the smartest man in rugby league, smartest person, dare I say, in rugby league. And he Have re- you ever been in the room, the same room as Gus Gould? Uh, Have you felt the power of the intellect, I, the I, brain throbbing? I was lucky enough to be at a Newtown Jets function where Gus was on the table adjacent to me, Stephen, right. and, and, and the energy was palpable. And, and he's, he's such a, a visionary, wide-ranging thinker. And now we know a lover. Well, it's so... Scorned. It, it's, it's a range of emotion I didn't know he was... Uh, capable of? Did you know that at that time that he was the smartest man in the room? Oh, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't. No know, doubt. You didn't know it. You felt it. You felt it. Yeah, it you was felt a force. It. it was osmotic. <laughs> it just sort of you were sort of infused right. with it. Smartest man in the room. And to hear Gus in that level of distress, yeah. uh, it's sort of distress, taken yeah. a big edge off my weeks. Yeah, yeah. So he is human after all. <laughs> After all those years of looking at the man, thinking, "What is he? What is he made of?" Well, you know, we used to say, you know, uh, what was that little game you'd go? You know, was it you know wood, animal, human, you know, spirit, water? You know, what is he? There was that Daft Punk album, Human, after all, and I thought that was uh, there uh, was a bit of propaganda about the Melbourne Storms, but it yeah. turns out it was in fact a musical biography of Gus Gould. Now, first of all, little interest to find out what really went down between Wayne Beavers, Hook, and Gus, and the love affair that broke down. Potentially, even though Wayne Beavis doesn't know why. So, sorry, who can, cares? Sorry, Wayne Beavis. Okay, so Wayne Beavis is okay. There's there's a, there's a pond. It's called rugby league, right? And that pond has got players, coaches, administrators, you know, support staff, um, mothers, fathers on the sidelines, juniors, and agents. Now, agents, of course, have crept up in there. 
power and profile over the years. And Wayne Beavis is one very powerful agent. You forgot one category there, Stephen. Media. Journalists. The fourth wall. Yes. Yes. Us. <laughs> yes. We're not even in it. But look, as the great Ben Mendelssohn once said, and a man who has been on Neighbours should know, we were the Who Weekly of Rugby League. We say, no, Ben, we are the Neighbours, the soap opera of Rugby League. We say, we being Rugby League itself. No greater than a luminary than Todd Greenberg, former CEO of the NRL, though according to Peter Volandis, he will not be the greatest CEO because that, that will go to Andrew Abdo, yes, yes. Um, the, the accountant with flair. He said, I understand we need to keep the soap in the soap opera that was rugby league. Yes. And when you do look at it dispassionately... Do we keep the opera as well? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the opera house is... Uh, a couple of restaurants have opened this week, Stephen. Wow. We are resuming okay. normal activity. Right. Uh, uh, he, he basically set the template which we now see, which is basically the world of rugby league, is Neighbours. See... Once upon a time, I thought maybe uh, The Truman Show, but that doesn't quite sit right, does it? No, no. Okay, so if it is a soap opera, uh, is it number 96, for example? Is it all in one building, uh, you know, with uh, Mr. Godolphus on the ground floor? Um, Abigail upstairs? Vera. Vera. Uh, That's not quite rugby league, uh, is it? Um, <laughs> Dory and Herb. Dory and Herb. Dot. Yes, yes. <laughs> Joe Hashem. Don Phillips. Well, there's only one gay man in rugby league. Dudley Butterfield. That's it, number 96, Dudley and, Butterfield. And my personal favourite, Arnold Feather. Arnold Feather. In point of actual fact, Mr. Godolphus. Now, that, not quite right, is it? It's not quite right because no. essentially there's a sense of unity to an apartment yeah. building, yeah. whereas the genius that is Neighbours, which neighbors. was ripped off blind Everybody by not Everybody needs good Neighbours, Right. Chris. They live in Ramsey Street, yes. which surprises me because it's actually a cul-de-sac. Right, it's a street, right. but it's a cul-de-sac. And, yep. and the first thing you notice, first of all, Everything happens to people in that street yeah, yeah. that they interact at a level that absolutely doesn't reflect natural or real life, like a reality show, right? Yes, yes. It's a heightened environment where the lives and loves intertwine constantly. But more importantly, there are two sides to the street. With an audience. Yes. Much like rugby league. Yes. So, okay, so if Ben Menos was incorrect, he was once in Neighbours. Many great Australian actors were, Stephen. Kylie, Jason. Guy Pearce. Guy Pearce. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie played Donna. And her plotline when she invented and went to America on the back of this fame, a garment called the Shrugalero. The (laughs) Shrugalero. Is worth a podcast in itself, Stephen. Right. And your friend currently... Uh, applying her trade on Neighbours as well. April Pengilly. Brilliant. Doing a great job. It's obviously timeless, much like Rugby League. Uh, As you say, many, many colourful characters. I mean, who would be, for example, the Harold Bishop in this situation? Wayne Beavis. Wayne Beavis. A bit bit tubby? A bit portly? (laughs) Has he got a walrus moustache? Maybe glasses? I don't know. I'm just guessing here. Uh, And and therefore, who would be the... uh, uh, Mrs. Mangles. Well, this is the, the nosy. Thing. Is, is, as I said, you've got two sides to the street. Yep. You've got essentially the nine side of the street. Ah, yes. Which has the, got the your, nine Fairfax. You've got side. your Gus Goulds, your Widlers, your Websters, your, your yes. Joey Johns, yes. your Ray yes. Warrens, yes. your Fittlers, your Aaron Mullins. The good guys, is that right? Well, well we're not taking sides yeah, here. We're, not sides here we're just watching. Yeah. And then on the other side of the street, yeah. you've got your your Murdoch side, ah. which is your News Limited Fox. So you've got your Icons, your Kent's, your Rothfields, your Hoopers, oh, your, yeah, your Matty Johnses, your Vonnies, etc., etc. Blocker, Foxside, right? Foxside. Right. And, and their lives and loves intertwine. Now, yeah. the, the two great friends and neighbours yeah. representing the senior citizens, which is our demographic, Stephen. Yes. Was, and, and, and Gus. Yeah. Harold, yeah. Harold Bishop, Wayne yeah. Beavis. Yeah, and yeah. on the other side of the street, Lou Carpenter, played by Tom Oliver, who, right. get this, Stephen, yeah. 
was Jack Sellers and number 96. Is that right? I kid you not. Wow. They, they're two great mates who... What about Paul Robinson? He's sort of sitting... Ah, uh, Stefan Dennis. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> not quite uh, senior citizen. Well, I see I see Ben Eichen as a bit Stefan Dennis-like. Ben Eichen, yes. Yeah, okay. that sort of very well-modelled hair. So... Lou and Harold would constantly fall out yeah. and blue right. in Neighbours. Would they become friends again? That's the trick. That's the trick. He, and he'd go, he'd call, Lou would call Harold Jelly Belly and they'd embrace. Yeah. I fear that this ending of 40 years of friendship yeah. between Gus Gould and Wayne Beavis is simply to attract ratings yeah. and that the next step is in this story... Is this a plot? Absolutely. And who is Vlandis then in Neighbours? He's 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 the producer. Who is that? Yes. Fremantle Media or something like that? Right. Okay. Pulling the strings. And could it be that Wayne won, Wayne Bennett, and Darius Boyd might have been Kylie and Jason? Yes, absolutely. A bromance you couldn't break? Yeah, bromance you couldn't make. Yeah. And, and they, they still off screen are still happily married many decades later. Right. But thrown into this mix just yeah. simply to advance the flood, attract the eyeballs, keep the ratings up, etc., etc., Sonny Bill style. Yeah. Mrs. Mangle has arrived... At, let's call it Gaznia Place yeah, Gaznia, instead yeah, of Ramsey yeah, Street. Yeah, yeah. And the two sides are split asunder by Mrs. Mangle, otherwise known as your new coach, Anthony Hook Griffin. Right, he's Mrs. Mangle. There has never been a more divisive character in the history of Neighbours. Yeah. There's never been a more divisive character in the history of Rugby League. Who would be... Is it Toad? Toad, Jared Rebecki. Yeah, Paul Gallon, maybe? <laughs> maybe? Yes, perennial. Perennial? Still there. Still there, can't After get rid of you. Look, didn't you think, look, Gal, great career, but yeah. we're happy you're retired, yeah. you're receded in the yeah. background. No, boom, there he is on Channel 9, Sunny, on the nine side of the street, yeah. doing it, a toady. And then it'll be boxing like Sunny Bill. <laughs> Who's Sunny Bill? Oh. Margot Robbie. Fine. Come on. I'm happy with that. Happy Inter- because you know why? Because both international stars, mm. when they do something, i.e. play 13 minutes on GI Stadium yeah. or release a new block uh, bluster movie like Bombshell or whatever, 200 million eyeballs, Stephen, around the world wow. are watching what Sonny Bill does and what Margot Robbie does. Very disappointing though, wasn't he? Were you disappointed? Well, Margot's not disappointing. She always delivers. She delivers. Yeah. Does, will Sonny Bill deliver? Yeah. He's got two more weeks to deliver. Or three counting this weekend. There, there was an article this week about Nathan Cleary saying that he's um, turned his life around because he's got FOPO, which is FOPO. fear, fear oh. of people's opinions, right? <laughs> so, so, he, so he went online yeah. and he did a mindfulness course by Pete Carroll, the coach of the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL, yeah. right? And basically what Sonny Bill has gone, you know what, if it's good enough for Nathan to reach out to an international star to get my career back on track, don't be surprised if right now he's online talking to Margot Robbie go, how do you deliver so constantly in that public glare? Wow. Okay, so if Neighbours is rugby league, you know, we're talking, we're drawing a parallel, a link, uh, it's, you know, patent on it. Uh, that's in Erinsborough, uh, nearby Eden Hills, a little bit more upmarket, private school. Yeah, that's rugby union. Rugby union. That, that's what uh, Curtis Scott was railing against. Right. That's where, why he was throwing the phone. Where's the rough end of, uh, of the, the suburbs there? Uh, where the caravan park is? Yes. West Waratah. Is that where we are? We are in West Waratah. Do we have a caravan? Yeah. <laughs> Fire Up is looking good. We'll be back in just a moment. The moment you start seeing ice on the groin, you're starting to think about it. You abandon me. Love don't live here anymore. 
I've ever heard Gus Gould called us up and said, Can you send this one to Wayne? Yes, the other Wayne. Wayne, too. Wayne Beavis. Yes. Extraordinary sentiments, Gus. Extraordinary. It's, um, it's heady stuff, Stephen. It's Shakespearean. It's uh, rugby league. Rugby league is a soap opera. Yes, indeed, it is. Now, some great news because we thought uh, there was an incident happening as we speak in Parliament this morning, nine o'clock meeting, a crisis meeting uh, for the Liberal National Party where the koala killers. The Nationals, led by John Barillaro, rugby league's greatest uh, supporter of Saint Hero and man who was designing the mini stadia policy, mm. which would allow all of Australia, if not all of Sydney and New South Wales, to have little mini bank wests to play in. I wonder if anyone's got a, maybe one of the politicians in that crisis meeting could text us, Stephen. Yes. On zero four zero nine nine four five nine four five. We're let hearing. Us know. We're hearing that uh, rugby league could well be saved because let's face it, Gladys is not a hero, a fan of rugby league as such. In any way, shape, or form. No, I know she says she goes for Manly Warringah, but really, really, <laughs> does she? I want to see. What were those ladies called that were down at Manly Lane Beachley and the, the models? Or something? <sighs> were they something angels? Was Murder. it? Uh, uh, yes, was it? Uh, uh. Yeah. Anybody, anybody, anybody. <laughs> hey, we have a text 0409. line. 0409-945-945. That's the text line. And uh, we, we've got somebody who seems to be in, I don't know what to say, but someone's texted us dozens and dozens of times saying, carry on. I'm not sure really what their gist is, but that number, 0409-945-945. Are you saying there's like someone continuously texting? Continuously texting. Somewhat incoherently? So, yeah, and they... I know they did mention something about urinating on Benji Marshall's... It's, red, uh, it's Redfern, Pat. Pat. Come Pat, on, Pat. Pat, stop it, please. So, John Barillara, who apparently hates koalas, <laughs> right, but loves rugby league, has now backed down. He said, if we can keep rugby league and the stadiums and the stadia policy, I won't... I'll allow you to save the koalas. I'm telling you, I'm glad that this has led to a Barillara back down because to have to choose between koalas and rugby league is not an easy choice, Stephen. I mean... Brendan Cowell did a terrific Poetry Slam fundraiser for the koalas uh, earlier in the year, and he also loves his footy. And it's like Sophie's Choice, impossible choice. It is. It's not right, is it? And and let's face it, we need the mini Bank West, Stephen. There are four of them. I was out at Bank West last night seeing the Tigers bravely go down to the uh, Accursed Rabbits. And they are community assets. And you know how I know that the Bank West Stadium is a community asset, Stephen? Tell me. Has one outdoor basketball court. Right. And you just walk in there with a ball and play. Now, yeah. that turns the stadium. Skateboarding as well. Which is otherwise locked up securely yeah, yeah. into a community asset. Kid-friendly. And, and if we lost Barillaro's support over the koalas, it would be a very, very, very sad day. Well, before you know, you'd have the Crips, the Colours, whatever, you know, <laughs> fighting it out somewhere in the streets with guns in Parramatta. Hey, uh, Chris, some great news. The Family Club... Ooh. Now, there was a, the, the family club, Canterbury Banks down, Berries, Bulldogs, whichever you come from, or as they wrote on the field, the Bulls' dogs. Yes, John O'Lamott uh, pointed that out that the stencil for the Bulldogs game last Saturday at ANZ Stadium had them called the Bulls' dogs. The Bulls' dogs. dogs. Not the dogs' 
bulls. bulls. No. <laughs> okay. I don't, anyway, I don't mind it to be honest. They're in a they're in, they're in a mess. They are they are the club that nobody wants to be in at the moment, so, aren't they? So why not change your name? Yeah, bulls, to the Canterbury Bank Sound Bulls dogs. dogs right. Yeah, no, they are as they are often referred to, Stephen, the family club, or as we like to refer to them, the dysfunctional family club. They're cleaning house, though, Chris. The great news is is that their club chairman George Curry come and sit on my lap. Uh, who has been criticised by many of the ladies for inappropriate comments, including, you got to suck off mullet mm. before you can actually come in the door here. And come and sit on my lap. He's been stood down. Uh, he's refusing to do so, but they've changed the locks and he is out the door, Chris. So he's not. he's been asked to stand down as the chairman of the league's club, which is distinct from the football club. Yeah. And it's it's tawdry business, Stephen. Tawdry business. And the good news is that the the people who've got their concerns are now going to get uh, their, their time to take these concerns forward. And... Is it is it too much to hope that rugby league might eventually end up in the 21st century? Yes. Have you had a look at this man, Chris? He's an attractive-looking fellow. Look, that's not his fault, Stephen. <laughs> but uh, seriously, it's poor form. Right. And uh, no wonder the Bulls Dogs isn't yeah. a destination club right now. And no wonder, no greater illuminating, let's hello, Luke Carpenter, a.k.a. Gus Gould, eminently advised Trent Barrett, don't go there. So Trent has Trent signed on to the family club? Trent is 100% committed, yeah. which always feels better than being 110% committed because I don't trust people that are 110%. No. Where, do you, where do you get that from, Chris? No, it doesn't make any sense. It's not I mean, possible. What school did they go to? <laughs> uh, what is Trent's background for coaching? Has he done well where he's been before? Manly? He is one of the greatest assistant coaches in living right. history. Yep. Uh, not so great when he was a head coach at Manly. He just didn't live well in the mountable world. He didn't live well in Des world. We've talked about this. Why would anybody want to be a full-time coach when all you are is you're just in a waiting line to get sacked again, correct? Uh, okay, the money's good, but... Wouldn't you rather be a very successful assistant coach for the rest of your life? Out of the limelight. Hello, Craig Fitzgibbon. And uh, as I said, the current Australian employment rate in these difficult times, Stephen, is about 7.5%. NRL head coaches, 31% unemployment rate right now. You're good with your stats. Well, I didn't. Well, I went to West Waratah High School and it was a good, solid education. Talking about Wayne 2, should we talk about Wayne 1? Oh, yes, please. Now, soap operas, yes, 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 okay, it's like neighbours. But Wayne's world. Could there be a resurgence? Could there be, like, uh, the slackers, the dudes? Well, let's listen to what he has to say let's and see what comes off the back of that. Is it your understanding, then, that South would let you go a year early? Where, where's that discussion? Who's had that one? In the same article which had your quotes in it, it said that South would not stand in your way. Well, I, no one at South has told me that. That discussion has never been had here. I've had no discussion with anyone about it. It was a speculative piece of journalism. I've had no discussion with anybody from Souths or Broncos or Queensland Rugby League, nobody. Have you actually thought about then what you want to do, Wayne? Is it, has it entered your head at all? If I told you what went through my head and my thoughts, it'll do your head in. So we won't worry about my thoughts. <laughs> Give us a little insight, anything? No, you wouldn't be able to handle it. Chris, I'm guessing pasta... <laughs> Garlic bread, grappa, a nice bottle of vino. Bit of Prosecco. <laughs> a bit of Prosecco. What do you think? Well, the exciting news in a difficult year, Stephen, is that Bill and Ted have released their third instalment this week. Yeah. Keanu is back. And if there's ever a clarion call to get Mike Myers and Dana Carvey back to do Wayne's World 3, a surrealistic fantasy set inside Wayne Bennett's head, now that is a movie that would draw more than 200 million eyeballs, Stephen. Would it frighten the kiddies? 
it would terrify the kitties okay. in, in a way that they hadn't experienced since they went and saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and the Child Snatcher right. was involved. Hello, Robert Helpman. Scarier than the sound of music then. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, Malkovich, is he playing Wayne Bennett? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking. Honestly. Well, there's your other. Now, there, see, this is what's. This is why I like doing this stuff with you, Steve. Yeah. And you, you, you create ideas that would never occur to me. <laughs> Maybe it's not a sequel to Wayne's World. Yeah. It's a sequel to being John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being Wayne Bennett. Yes, yes, yes. So you go inside the ear or inside the nose. I don't know. The way you wander. It's a colourful world. What was that movie, Fantastic Voyage, where they yes. shrank down Racco Welsh? you down, yeah, yeah. and just inject you in the vein. <laughs> they went, go yeah. through Wayne's bloodstream. It'd be tremendous. Now, Chris, there's some colourful candidates in rugby league. Josh Adokar, there's been a bit, sort of a bidding war, isn't there? He's looking to move. He wants to come back to Sydney, I believe. The Fox. He's had a very colourful year because he started off at the farm shooting tin cans, got charged with that, uh, you know. He's the fastest man in rugby league, uh, some say, yeah. you know. Uh, like John Fox in Ultravox, he's got two X's now. Where'd the extra X come from? I don't know. For a long time, he's just been called the Fox, the fox. with one X. But like a normal is, Fox, F-O-X. But this is like the revelation when we finally spoke to Mark Spud Carroll, that it's Spud with two Ds. Yes. And I don't know, Jamie Fox, Red Fox, I there don't know. You go. But, you know, why not? Yeah. Why not? But, Look, by the way, John John Fox from Ultravox? Yeah. New album out, John Fox and the Maths? Is I that, highly recommend it. Is that right? He's still going. Yeah, yeah. Metamatic. Now, new, there was an album. That was New Wave at, at its best. It was. Yeah, yeah Underpass. Yes. Uh, forget Duran Duran and Spanner Ballad, that muck. Hey, Chris, what about Ferris <laughs> with two S's? Does that work? It doesn't really work as well, does it? Doesn't look as good. I'd kick it around for a while. Would it you? might work. Gay with two E's, gaily. No, 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 no. Okay, so that's that. Uh, tonight's game it is a revenge night. Now, Penrith, of course, is it now? Am I, am I hearing this right? 13 wins in a row? Oh, it's some prohibitive streak. That's 13 right. 13 games in a row. Yeah, their last, victory, their last defeat, of course, as everybody's pointed out, given that they're playing Parramatta, is, yep. get this, the last game they lost was to Parramatta. Parramatta, tonight. Yes. It's entertainment, Chris. Yeah, it that's is entertainment, and, and there is a war of words going on. Regan Campbell-Gillard said, I switched off uh, at, Parramatta, uh, yeah. sorry, at Penrith last year. Yes. I started going, what's the point? And then, of course, this has upset the Clearies. Yeah. Son Nathan said, it's silly words from Regan Campbell-Gillard. And he goes, a number of the boys are, guess what, Stephen? Yeah. They're pissed off. They call him Reg, don't they? <laughs> That's right, Reg. Reg. And, and coach Father Ivan, who, as I say, if um, the Melbourne... St- Cameron Smith is the most evil entity in rugby league. Ivan Cleary is a prohibitive locker, the most evil man in rugby He's league. He's showing his teeth, isn't he? He's just going... Well, you know, I didn't have such a good year last year. And sure, I think he might have donated a kidney or something to his brother. But he goes, I, I didn't have such a good last year, but I kept turning up. Right. Like, just sour. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I guess if you'd call Ivan, eventually it's going to get to you. Wow. Rugby Lee, the gift that keeps on giving, Chris. We'll be opening another present here next week, Stephen. We are? Yeah. Another, another week of rugby league. Another, another episode oh, of... Another gift. N- neighbours. Because you know what about r- the, the same... Truth that holds for neighbours and rugby league, Stephen? Everybody needs them. Exactly. See you, Chris. Bye-bye. So tune in again next week when we invite a veritable breadline of nobodies and wannabes to flesh out another rip-snorting roundup of rugby league shenanigans, slander and smut right here at the home of radio's most fatuous footy confab. Fire! Thank <laughs> you.